0: Welcome to the Mission State Church Podcast, Thursday edition. We are continuing our series this week titled Friends of Jesus. It's week four, and we've been going through these interactions that Jesus has with different groups of people, looking at how he treated them and the lessons that we can learn about how we can treat those different pockets of our society. Uh, Today, I have a special guest with me. It's my wife, Sarah Eichard. I'm excited to do this podcast with her for a number of reasons, but how are you? How are you doing?
1: (laughs) Um, I'm great. I'm a little tired, you know. it's I'd be in bed by now if uh, we weren't recording, but I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm curious about all these reasons that you are excited for me to be here.
0: Well, uh, I'm glad that you asked because it's a good segue into, so as we're recording this, we're uh, going to put this out the week of Mother's Day. So happy early Mother's Day to you. Oh, and today we are talking about how Jesus treated um, women and children. We're kind of more generally talking about those that lack power in our society, or those that are more vulnerable in our society. Um, and before we jump, don't don't come at me uh, if you're like feeling a little bit, uh, you know, hey, what do you mean, women are not powerless? Like, just hear me out. I think you'll get what I mean. But uh, we're focusing on how Jesus really treated. Uh, women and children today, and how we might learn to treat those that might be more vulnerable or powerless, or maybe just women and children in our society today.
1: Okay, so let me me reflect back to you what I just heard. When I asked the question, what are the reasons you're excited for me to be on the podcast? You jump into, well, we're talking about women and children. And so because I'm a woman, you're excited?
0: No, no, no. I mean, that's part of it. It's well-timed with Mother's Day coming up. You're a mother. We have a child together, so talking about children will be fun to talk about with you, how Jesus handled times with children. Uh, But I just also am glad that you're on, because I enjoy talking with you, and I enjoy having these kinds of conversations.
1: Uh, That's what I'm looking for. You know, this little compliment. I had to fish for it a little bit. (laughs) I'm Uh, more of an
0: Oreo guy. I I just tuck it in there in the middle
1: <laughs> right i actually heard this phrase today and i cannot get over it um have you ever heard the f- the phrase butter my toast
0: no like, that i'm sounds...
1: to butter your toast <laughs> like like fluff you up or you know butter your bread you
0: feel... i've heard that i've never heard butter your
1: toast <laughs> i don't know it's the same thing toast is bread but
0: okay well I'm not familiar with butter my toast, but I know. I'm butter basically my begging for you to <laughs> butter my toast.
1: <laughs> and now we've gone way far off the rails. So, well,
0: what do you Good think day. about? What are, are you excited to be on? Are you, uh, what do you think about Mother's Day coming up and this topic for tonight?
1: Um, I'm excited to talk about women and children in the Bible. I actually did some Googling today. Um, Dangerous. And that's my go to source. I know but
0: we're, we're working on it
1: we are because it came back with very little information for me that was like sound but i was curious about um women in biblical times and i wanted i mean i have an idea of how they were treated and portrayed and everything but i wanted to get the full scope of like roman culture and how they treated women and um how that was different than like hebrew people, um, but again didn't find much also didn't deep dive because i was at work so just trying to focus on you know the kids i work with the children i work with sure sure while yeah. googling to prepare for the podcast we'll have no
0: fear because we're about to verbally process here together we'll we'll get to a conclusion um, so, um, yeah, uh, let's just jump in. So Great. let's first talk about children. I want to look at uh, a few examples of how Jesus interacted with children and we'll kind of sp- not spend a ton of time with this because there's not a ton of examples of Jesus interacting with children, but I do find it interesting that he makes a couple of very interesting quotes and we'll start out with, uh, Matthew chapter 19. Wait, it says this,
1: can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. Why do you think we don't have a lot of children in the bible like we don't have children's names we don't have many examples of jesus interacting why not
0: um well i think it depends on what you call a child uh i think there's we just don't know a lot of ages of certain individuals i think the the age that we would call an adult today is different than what maybe the bible would have uh 13 14 years old would have probably been a man in or a woman in biblical times as soon as you were able to bear children like you were married if you had a you know a willing spouse and things like that so like i think it's different i think it's specifically when it comes to like speaking with jesus i just don't know how many were permitted to like go and just have conversations with adults i mean even today that's pretty applicable like we don't really just encourage children to go talk to strangers uh adult strangers things like that so I don't know. Those are just a few reasons. I'm sure that there are others, but that's off the top of my head.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Do you have any let's thoughts?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't think this is the time and place to dive into them. So okay. let's jump into Matthew 19.
0: Okay. So Matthew 19, starting in verse 13, says this. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. I just, I wanted to read that because I think what, is, what's the first thing that hits you when you hear Jesus say the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, the kingdom of heaven belongs to children.
1: I think of kids in their ability to have fun and their innocence, their ability to be taken care of. I'm, I'm trying to picture the children I work with at school. Yeah. Um, and like they're relatively happy despite the world around them and kind of the stuff they go through um they're funny
0: (laughs) they have not been beaten down by society yeah responsibility yes
1: i was having a conversation with a 10 year old today and she made the comment that she can't wait to grow up and in the back of my mind i'm going no you have no idea like you're literally about to go out to recess and run around and have fun with your friends. Enjoy it. Um, now, I think kids today in this age are very different than the children that were, hap- that were in biblical times. Um, and they are viewed differently, I think. You said that they're kind of viewed in a similar way, but I would tend to disagree. I think we are much more... Um, focused on children these days. We're much more um, we just I think parent differently than.
0: Yeah, certainly there's Eastern Western culture there, more family centric, not so child centric for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely some cultural differences for sure.
1: Yeah, but what do you think about? It? it feels like you had something preloaded of children. the kingdom of heaven belongs to them.
0: Uh, A lot of what you were saying, I think it's fascinating to think through what that what Jesus is intending by that, because a lot of what you're saying is something that I've tried to process in the past. I think I kind of got halfway through it and then gave up. But like a lot of what you're saying, I think, is is a description of how Jesus kind of encourages us to live like more carefree, more willing to like just find joy and peace and like kids aren't so, and I understand it's because they might not understand the ramifications and they feel like they have a safety net and there's a number of reasons why children feel more carefree than adults or whatever. But like when you talk about Jesus saying, you know, I came to take your burdens away. Mm -hmm. I came to give you joy. I came to give you peace. Like I think in general, children live much more peaceful, joy filled, you know, less laborious lives than adults do. Um, And so I think there's some truth to that of like, see how these children live and understand that they, maybe in the way that they see their parents as this kind of thing that protects them and gives them what they need and provides for them and all of that is the same way that we should find that kind of rest in God and, and our heavenly father. And that's like the, the pace and the joy and the peace that we should live with. I do think there's some truth to that.
1: Absolutely. I'm getting the picture of Psalm 23 in my mind as you're speaking, like we're these tiny gentle lambs who need to be led by a shepherd, a good shepherd who's going to like direct our paths, like parents direct children's paths and um, going to protect us and comfort us and lead us to what's going to bring us life um and you could like parallel that to children and then parallel that to us and god
0: yeah absolutely in fact jesus really says so in mark's version in mark's gospel the same interaction is recorded at least it seems like the same interaction uh the same the beginning is is almost identical but he's going to also say, instead of just let the children come to me, uh, such as the kingdom of God, he's going to add on to that. He says, uh, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And so I think that also plays into a little bit of what we're talking about. Like, what does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child mm-hmm. to enter into is to see it with awe and wonder and majesty and not be so like jaded, I think, and yeah like beat down by the responsibility i guess of this this life here which is such a blip on the radar in light of eternity
1: i would agree i also think uh like children question a lot of things Mm. um they're curious and i think that's another element of how we can approach the kingdom of heaven is with curiosity and Mm. question it and
0: um question it in the sense of like exploring it right like not because when i hear a question i think like does it exist is it real and maybe there's some of that yeah sure sure but i think like we should also grow beyond that to like a confidence of it and exploring what we believe about it
1: yes yeah both okay
0: (laughs) okay so that's what, that's Jesus' interaction. Like, again, there's not a ton of examples, but I think we can learn from this interaction that Jesus has with them. There's a lesson to be learned there that Jesus is encouraging his followers to see the way that children interact with each other and with him and to see that we need to, in some ways, model some of those things in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We should receive the kingdom of heaven like children do.
1: Yeah. I think, it, like, to end this conversation on children in this passage, it the story ends with and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh?
1: That's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah there's tender, gentle care from Jesus for those children.
1: Right. Jesus, come do that for Judah. Do that <laughs> for my baby.
0: Right. Right. Uh alright, so that's children. I wanna talk I want to spend the majority of our time talking about women and how Jesus treated women because not only did I feel like I learned quite a bit from just seeing Jesus interact with women. But I think, you know, in light of where we're kind of at as a as church, like big C church, uh, the global church, and, uh, maybe some of the ways that we different churches might disagree on the role of women in church or the, the spaces and the things that the responsibilities that they're, that they should have, whatever. Um, I think it's it's important that we look at how Jesus treated women. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we learn the lessons of how he taught us to really interact with them the way he did, at least. And the point of this segment, this episode, is not going to be to tell you if you should allow women to be pastors or that they should speak or teach or whatever. The people Um, want
1: controversy. (laughs)
0: That's not the point that we're trying to get to. So I want to be very clear about that. I only want to highlight the way that Jesus spoke with them. And I'll leave you, as the listener, up to make your own conclusions about what you think that means for the church today. But I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn in seeing how Jesus interacted with women. And. I'm going to be honest, like I, to my own shame, feel like there were some things I was surprised by. So I don't know if you had any of those kind of feelings or thoughts as you were reading through some of the passages that we have planned or what were your initial thoughts?
1: Um, my initial thoughts were, okay, I live in a completely different world. Um, I am a white American middle-class North American woman. And that's 100% different than the women that Jesus is interacting with in the story. And yet I still was able to identify with some of their stories. Um, I still was able to have compassion for like the character that they were being described as. I was also just super curious about Okay, so I I know it's different. I know their lives are completely different than the life I live. What does that mean? How how did they live? How were they seen by society? What was it like to walk the streets, in in, in their shoes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I first want to start out just by looking at like, so how did Jesus really interact with women frequently, and. Like, I think oftentimes, so I don't know if you are like this, but typically when I think of who did Jesus hang out with, like, and I think of the disciples, I mostly just think of like a group of guys hanging out, like Rome in the countryside. But that's not true. That's not just who Jesus had with him. Uh, in Luke chapter eight, and again, like, I feel like I knew this, but I didn't, And like the scriptures really brought it to light to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Luke chapter eight, the first three verses, they say this soon afterward he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of god and the 12 were with him so the disciples are with him but also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities mary called magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and joanna the wife of chusa herod's household manager and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means so you have these women that are following him who are one not only are they women that he has healed and spoken to and spoken life into but are also financially providing or monetary like through food or whatever it may be like actually providing for the ministry that jesus is doing which is really interesting
1: yeah um it also just hit me for the first time as you were reading that like a a woman going on this journey with some random man like that's not good. Not but, just
0: women, but the wife of another man. Yeah. Leaving to go, yeah.
1: With a like in the wilderness, uh-huh. that would be frowned upon in any cu- culture, I think. um
0: Sure. Well, and, and not just that, but think about who this who. So I want to specifically highlight Joanna, since so mm-hmm. she's the wife of I'm I don't know if I'm saying this correctly or not, but Chusa is the way I would pronounce it. Herod's household manager. This is the same Herod who put John to death. Like John the Baptist was killed. His household manager's wife is now following jesus that seems like a pretty big deal to me
1: yeah i think that speaks a lot to one her faith her curiosity and two like it seems dangerous for her yeah
0: yeah absolutely she's a strong woman like she absolutely faced sad to face you know um some harsh things to in order to do so um without the maybe the fear of the consequences that her or her household would face.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think also like in a unique position here to, as someone who raises support for their job um, to recognize the humility that that can take. And I don't know how Jesus felt uh, receiving gifts or financial support from these women, but I know for our donors, like, I feel a debt to them. I feel humility towards them. I feel like, you know, I like I owe them. And so for, uh, I'm not, you know, necessarily saying it's an apples to apples comparison, but um, I picture, you know, in some ways Jesus feeling like, you know, grateful for these women and thankful to have them along and for their, their sacrifice and what they're providing for him.
1: Absolutely. I was um, reading an article about women in like specifically the disciple I don't know if you can call them disciples, you probably could, like the followers of Jesus who were women. Absolutely. And kind of daydreaming about, like, were they just there to provide domestic tasks? Were they just there to take care of the cooking and the laundry for this group of 12 men? Like, was that their purpose? And I think as you read the scripture and as you see Jesus interacting with women, no, I don't think that's the case. I'm sure everybody had roles and responsibilities, but, um, that's where my mind went initially.
0: Yeah, no, I'm like, that's the perfect jumping off point. Cause you hit on two things that I want us to camp out on for a minute. So first off you talked about Like, can I call the women with Jesus' his disciples? And that is actually something that was, like, I knew knew to some degree that there were women around him. But that there actually were, like, women who would call him teacher, would call him rabbi. When, uh, if you flip to John, I believe it's John chapter 20, um, you'll see, starting in verse 11, you'll see the story of when Jesus comes out of the tomb, when he resurrects, he first shows up to, in some Gospels it'll say a group of women, in a couple of the Gospels is specifically to Mary Magdalene. And they have this interaction, and she, once she realizes who it is, she refers to him as Rabini, or Rabbi, teacher. She is calling him her teacher, her Rabbi. She is a disciple of him. She's acknowledging that she's a disciple of him. And so... That's actually a really big deal. And I don't know that if, you know, if, you, if we don't understand the context of it, I don't know that we recognize how big of a deal that is. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these other religious leaders that are scouring the countryside for the uh, best and brightest and most learned students to take on as their disciples are not taking on women. It, that, would, that would have been, like, that's not a thing that they would have taken on. So um, for, for her to call him rabbi is a huge deal. And yes, absolutely. I think that indicates that Jesus had women who were his disciples. Now we want to be really clear about the, the, um, about the language that we use, because a lot of times when people think of Jesus' disciples, they think specifically of just the 12 and that's not true. Those he called apostles. So they have a specific position extended beyond just being his disciples. Um, he, he had the 12 apostles, um, but he also had a number more of disciples, and some of them were women, um, and so uh, I think it's important. You know, I feel like it's a little bit crazy that we even have to acknowledge that, but I do think it's important that we acknowledge that. Like, yeah, like the early, fo- earliest followers of Jesus were women. Some of them, at least. But, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah. So as you were talking, like, I would call myself a disciple of Jesus. So why did I hesitate um, when referring to mary magdalene who literally followed jesus and mm. learned his teaching um i also and i'm just so curious about their lives you know like i feel like i've used that word a thousand times already in this podcast but what was she like what did she care about what did she feel her purpose or calling was um And like Jesus was a man. So how is that relationship back and forth between him and the women that followed him? Certainly it wasn't like his and Peter's relationship. So how did that look like the God of the universe in man form? I don't know. Mm. Any thoughts? I feel like I'm not offering anything just like my own swirling questions and
0: No, I think it's right to question uh, and to wonder, to be curious, as you would. Uh, Okay. I think, I think that that we learn a lot from the way that you know from the little that we do have of how Jesus interacted with women. I think that the fact that he would take on them as disciples, and again, I recognize how uh, maybe small-minded this sounds to even highlight the fact that they were his disciples. We obviously acknowledge women as disciples of Jesus today. But it really was a big deal for them to in that day to be called uh, his disciples to have that title. And I think just that fact tells us a lot about the value and the respect um and the way he saw women as equal uh, mm-hmm. to men in a lot of ways. I think also you you talked about, you know, the idea of like what were they doing along the way? So two quick things that I'll highlight for you that struck out to me when I was thinking about that was, so one, he when he has the interaction with Mary Magdalene, when she calls him rabbi, uh, he gives her a message to go tell the, deci- the other disciples, the apostles, that he is uh, going to meet them there in Jerusalem. He's going to meet them in Galilee. So one, he has given her a responsibility to then go and tell the men and the other disciples where to go and what to do.
1: Get it, girl. <laughs>
0: He also, when he meets the woman at the well, and this is not just any woman that he's interacting with, this is a woman that's been shamed and betrayed by her culture, who is, who's been told you're not good enough to get water at the time that the rest of the women get water. You have to go in the middle of the day when it's hot, and you are uh, an, an adulteress. You are you know have all these different men that you've been with and all these things, so she has been not only... Not only is she a woman in a in a time period that's difficult to, to be a woman, or you might not be seen as equal to a man, but she's also like the seen as like not worthy of being a woman. Really, um, she is the lowest of the low. And what Jesus does is he comes alongside her and adds value to her, tells her what she's done, but forgives her of her sins. And what what she does after that is then she goes and evangelizes to her entire village and says that many come to faith in Jesus because of her testimony. So what we see here is that jesus had women disciples jesus gave a woman responsibility to go and tell a group of men what to do next Mm -hmm. and a woman went and evangelized to a city and was you know uh, a key cog in a lot of people coming to faith men and women in that city Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: yes me like i don't think that the women were there just to to cook and to clean now i do want to be clear like if that's like if you're a woman listening to this and maybe that's like your stay at home mom. You feel like that's, you take pride in that or like that's part of kind of your daily routine. Like I don't want to, I don't want to downplay any of that. I think what we're trying to make the case of like Jesus treated them in a way that was respectful and honored, you know, their gifts and talents and abilities to follow and to um, do all the things that the men could do as well.
1: Well, Andy said that Jesus gave value to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And I even think like Mary Magdalene, who he, um, I don't know if you say released or freed her of the demons that uh, she was being possessed by. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't have to, but he saw the value in her and then did the healing. It wasn't that.
0: um, Certainly there's not like any kind of, um, uh, I don't want to say this. Jesus didn't prioritize healing men or he didn't prioritize Mm -hmm. like, spending more time with them. I think we see plenty of examples of Jesus healing, speaking life into teaching women and men, and uh, multiple examples throughout scripture. So yeah, I think, I think you're onto something there that like, yeah, he adds value to her specifically. Mm-hmm. I think we also see this with like the woman caught in adultery when mm-hmm. they bring her to yeah. him. And uh, he, you know, basically says you know it says what he says and causes the entire crowd to go home and tells her that he doesn't condemn her. Um, But time and time again, we this is male and female, uh, man and woman, but Jesus speaks into the most vulnerable, painful parts of these people's lives and gives them freedom and like I, I don't know, like he releases the burden of their shame and guilt from them it's amazing to, to read and to like think about just who he was. I mean, I think, I think ultimately like through this, ser- through the this series, I've just been continuously in awe of how incredible Jesus's love for humans is regardless of their status or who they are. Um, but I think ultimately, again, we see here in the way that he treated women and children, just the way that he elevated them to a status that society really didn't. Um, or at least certain, certain members of society wouldn't. Uh, And I think that matters to us today and how we view those portions of society. And do, are we adding value? Are we elevating those around us? Are we giving power to the powerless? You know, are we helping to raise up those who uh, have a, maybe a place that seems lower in society? I don't know.
1: Well that and are we offering and pointing to the God who has freed us and who has offered freedom from shame and offered freedom from the demons that hold us back and offers freedom from um the the sin that burdens us like we can offer that to people because he has offer that to us. And Mm. I mean, we don't offer it, but we can point to him and say, look at this good that he has done for us and has done for the most vulnerable and the most broken people of society. Don't you want that? Mm. (laughs) I mean, I get, I, as you were talking, I was literally tearing up just thinking about Jesus's tenderness towards people with a past and people who've made mistakes and people who um aren't free they they're burdened by shame and guilt and he comes alongside of them and says you don't have to live this way anymore
0: mhm yeah exactly uh, i i would even add on to that like if you've been oppressed if you've felt like society has told you that you can't, aren't good enough or that you can't uh, do this kind of thing. I mean, like, there's some degree to that that Jesus is like, like, like believe what I say about you. You know, like he comes into that picture as well.
1: Mm. Uh. I I think this goes in thinking about like people, humans today. Um, I think about the families that I get the privilege of working with in uh, my school district, and how it's not just like women and children, but it's families as a whole. Who maybe come to America with nothing um who work really hard and yet they have certain limitations that keep them um from giving their kid a great education or um from experiencing the things in life that like we take for granted, and I just think about like they are more vulnerable than like you and I in certain situations. Right. And yet we see Jesus' love towards them and how much more can we love them being loved by him. H- am I making sense?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I think and I, I think you're you're highlighting kind of the point that you know, maybe in general that we're trying to make here is like the way that Jesus treated, and interacted with vulnerable and power, like those that, and when I say powerless, again, I'm not talking about individuals. I'm not talking about like, oh, women are powerless. I'm saying in a way society has taken power away from them. Certain societies or certain cultural things have taken power away from them. Um, I think about with, with children, you know, they don't, they don't choose the families that they get brought up into. they, Oftentimes are in a, in a physical way powerless to the things mm. that happen around them. Like they don't have another choice. Children can't just walk out the walk out of the house and you know go and leave. And like where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Right? And so they are powerless to the circumstances around them. Um, many times that's like worse women find themselves as well uh, in difficult situations, difficult relationships or, um, you know, they just don't feel like, or it doesn't seem like they have the same opportunities, whatever it may be. Um, they're, they're, it's a, it can feel like a powerless position to be in. And so, I think it's important that Jesus, that we recognize the way that Jesus added value and gave power to the powerless and uh, elevated those who were vulnerable and sheltered them.
1: I'm thinking about um, the gay population in their probably not like LGBTQ plus community and like that seems to be their fight they're like they, they want power they want to be acknowledged and recognized and they're human like we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to those people and we can love them in the way that Christ loved the most vulnerable.
0: Certainly, I think I want, to, I want to hold two tensions when you say that. So, in one way, I think I agree with you. I think Jesus would like like one of the one of the driving questions that started the series, or the driving question, was if Jesus were alive today, who would he hang out with? And I think if you were to say, yeah, he might hang out with homosexuals, he might hang out with transgenders, he might hang out with like some people might be put off by that
1: minority populations.
0: Yeah. Like some people might like be offended by that. Mm -hmm. Some church people might be offended by that. And I think that's, that's kind of the point of looking at these interactions that Jesus has. like Jesus hung out with people that society in a lot of ways rejected. And that's going to be our next week series or next week's topic as well. But I want, I want to hold that tension with that's also not to say that Jesus like, approved of or encouraged everything that the people that he hang out he hung out with did Mm. you know like when we talk about the woman in adultery it's not continue to be an adulteress right it's go "Go and sin sin no more Mm -hmm. and so like we can hold true to our values we can hold true to what we think is sin and not sin, whatever while still acknowledging that like we're not better or like no one else is undeserving of grace or like less lesser than us we shouldn't view anybody that way or that we shouldn't be around certain groups of people that shouldn't be our thought process
1: it's not our our place to judge we are not the judge right and christ took that on the cross for us and for the world
0: right so i think i don't think that's that's a crazy thought i think like like the way you're going with like i think there's some truth to that i think that's part of what this series is really hope i'm hoping to bring out of of us all is to recognize like if there's anybody in our lives that we bristle at the idea of Mm -hmm. being around yeah and it's not because of like okay i want to be clear there's certain situations where you've been hurt or like the person has done something to you. I'm not talking about like specific individuals, I'm talking more like people groups that because they identify in a certain way, you think that like you can't spend time with them or you shouldn't be around them. I think that, I think that Jesus might have a problem with that, <laughs> I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. And I, I, like it's hard for me to even like say that as like, this is a recorded, you know, podcast that's going to live out there forever, whatever. But like, I think it's true. I really do. And I think that I'm, I am I'll speak for myself. I am humbled at thinking through the answer to that question. Who would Jesus hang out with if he was here today? Because I think that I don't make the time for certain groups of people that I think Jesus really would. Thinking back to our conversation about women and children (laughs) and those who are powerless and vulnerable, I want to kind of wrap up with our content here, looking at, one specific passage that jesus really talks about um, in mark chapter 13 he he says to pray for women and children in the end times and it's continued on this idea is also uh spoken in matthew chapter 25 and i'll read that version of it but it's found in multiple i want to highlight it's found in multiple gospels in matthew chapter 25 starting in verse 31 it says this when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all of the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left and the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared to you from the foundation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me food and i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was stranger and you welcomed me i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and You visited me i was in prison and you came to me then the righteous will answer him, saying, "Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you?" The king will answer them, "Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me." I think Jesus, in a way, is saying, when you when you honor the powerless, when when you see those that that have less, and you do like you step in and you provide for them you elevate those who are lowly in society when you uh give honor and and you know not shame those who might otherwise be shamed or feel guilt i think like he's saying like when you see this and you've done it to them you, you do it to me because those are those are the ones that i came for that's who i came to spend my time with and to heal and to provide for and um Uh, so I think, again, and and we'll see this also in James, uh, in the book of James, he says that true religion is to tend for the widow and orphans. And uh, I think just that idea is throughout Jesus teaching and then into the disciples and into the further books. But um, just, yeah, to view those in society who might be the have nots or those that are powerless or more vulnerable, I would say, like, I think we can say that women and or widows and orphans are the most vulnerable of our society. Um, and to speak to, to, for true religion to be, to take care of them. I think he's speaking into when you take the time for the ones that really society has forgotten or that, you know, are most vulnerable and you protect those that are most vulnerable, that, that means something. That's the, that's the way that Jesus taught us to live.
1: And it's kind of a, a flashback, uh, to the story in the Old Testament with the sisters who are daughters, their daughters, I guess they're sisters to each other. Um, they were left without a father and there was no male heir to take the land and um, they appealed to, I think Moses was leading the people at this time, um, they appealed to him and said, hey, like, our line is not going to get their allotted land because there's nobody to take, um, to follow like the traditional law that's set in stone. Um, and they made an amendment and that's like, to me, that's God in an early picture showing, Hey, I'm going to care for the widows and the orphans. Um, and then you get it bookend on in James where it straight up says, true religion is taking care of these people
0: yeah no i love that because i think we get so caught up in like our rules of how we're supposed to act that's what the rules of like what we're supposed to do is what keeps us i think sometimes from engaging those people that maybe are most vulnerable and most hurting and Mm -hmm. like that's a perfect example of like is it about the rule or is it about people Mm -hmm. you know i think jesus was very clear that he came for people and not that he didn't follow the rules or wasn't, you know, celebrating the law and or fulfilling the law, um, but that he, that the law was meant for people, and, and it was to give us the way to live and to shed shine the love of, or like God's love to the world. Mhm. As we wrap up here, is there anything just thoughts about? Women, children, powerless, vulnerable, who Jesus would have hung out with. Anything else come to mind?
1: Um, Well, I'm still trying to come up with a list of people in our current society and who maybe we, I personally, wouldn't love like Jesus or would struggle to love because they're, you know, more... I'm putting this in quotes like more sinful or um, I like by my own upbringing and um, biased look down on them without even being aware that I'm looking down on them. I think that's like where I'm at in my Christianity. And um, I don't think intentionally there is a population that I look down on or don't love well. But there's I I am sure there is some like hidden bias that are keeping me from loving a uh, a group of people the way that Jesus had has intended for me to love. Um so I'm just thinking through like the different groups of people who might be or who are more more vulnerable in our culture. Um and you asked a really good question earlier that I think we should end on um as a way for the listener to reflect. Um, I forget how you worded it. You can revise as I like spitball here. Um, but you said like who, who is the vulnerable population that you are not loving? Well, is mm. it
0: I don't remember try? saying that, but sometimes I just kind of black out and I just go. So if you thought that was helpful, let's okay. go with it.
1: Okay. Will you say the question again, maybe like in a better way
0: so you're saying it was something along the lines of like who maybe is a is the vulnerable population that you have an opportunity to love beautiful mm-hmm. yeah yes yeah absolutely i think that's something that we learned from jesus uh, and so uh would you as you're listening to this consider who that might be in your life in your world we love you guys. Thanks for so much for checking out this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. We'll wrap up this series next Thursday talking about the ones that society oppressed or pushed away. Uh, and I'm excited to talk to you that. We'll have a couple more special guests for that episode. Uh, can't wait. And we'll see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.